Gavin, Jeff, whichever wants to go first. Uh, Jeff, how about you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, my name's uh, Jeff Trimble. Um, and I'm an atheist. Uh, I've been an atheist now for a little over two years. Uh, and um, I met Gavin on Clubhouse. I met you, Eddie, on, on, talking on Clubhouse and uh, had a few conversations. And um, Gavin had mentioned a couple of times wanting to do a debate. And, uh, and so I said, great, uh, let's do it. And he uh, asked me to pick the topic and I, I chose the topic of does the God of the Bible exist? And uh, so that's why we're here tonight. Uh, I'm an engineer, uh, project manager. I like, I play guitar and work on guitars and play in a band and that's me. Rock on. How about you, Gavin? Yeah, hi, my name's Gavin. Um, <laughs> Uh, Eddie and I meet met through Streamyards, I guess, and uh, we talk off and on. Never in a bar, um, often in clubhouse, sometimes on Streamyards. Um, this debate came as a bit of a surprise, actually, and it's it's not actually true um, how Jeff said it came about. Jeff's wife arranged this debate, which was really good of her, I thought. So I'm really grateful for for Jeff. Uh, agreeing to debate, and thanks to um, Eddie for hosting it. So looking forward to a really good debate. Interesting. Uh, so we get down deep to the um, the nitty-gritty uh, uh, before we even get started. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, uh, Gavin, Gavin had mentioned to me a, a number of occasions about doing a debate, and it was my wife that did reach out. But uh, my recollection, it was, it was uh, his initial... Uh, interest in doing it is in I said something to my wife, but uh, irrespective, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, leave it up to the wives to kind of push the husband out there. Well, you know, they don't have to do it. But uh, And my poor <laughs> wife is, uh, my poor wife is torn and she, she said she didn't know whether she wants to watch it. Now, she's a Christian. And so, oh. she's, uh, so she's rooting for me as her husband and Gavin as a Christian. So, um, uh, so yeah, that's it. Well, you know, when this is over, I want to know exactly how the rest of the evening went down. Uh, so, <laughs> and, and her thoughts on it too. <laughs> so, um, so we have for the format, we are going to do, uh, I believe it's uh, 10 minute opens each. They don't have to take all of the time, but is however long one takes, the other's going to get that amount of time uh, if one doesn't need that much. Uh, the other person's free to take the whole 10 minutes that they need. Uh, we are going to start uh, with Gavin first because uh, he is going to be on the affirmative. And Jeff and I are going to pop off and listen to um, what Gavin's got for us. Are you ready, Gavin? Yeah, hang on. Take your time. Take your time, buddy. I just want to set my timer up. <laughs> That's oh, you okay. don't trust me? Okay, all right. No, I, I do trust you. I yeah. do yeah. trust you. I see how it is. I okay. do trust you. Uh, I just yeah. want to, um, I just want to, yeah, remind yourself, yeah, yeah, remind myself. So, on my first <laughs> word, can you just start your timer? Um, I edit? Sure will. all right, okay. I'm about to start, and I guess I'll start. Now, okay, so the topic for tonight's debate is does the God of the Bible exist or does the Christian God exist? 
I'll be taking the affirmative position by presenting a cumulative abductive argument that confirms the existence of the biblical God. The argument will be focused on two areas, which is one, the creation account, and two, the ethics of Christianity. But before I launch into it, I want to point out three handicaps to the audience that my learned opponent has even before he can say a word. And these three, three handicaps are this, are these, this, these. Number one, the claim God does not exist is a negative existential proposition. This is a prop proposition that is impossible to demonstrate with any form of reasoning, epistemological reasoning. Uh, handicap number two, exhaustive anthropo anthropological studies headed by Oxford University's Dr. Justin Barrett across many countries that represent both secular and religious societies found that religion is a common fact of human nature. Human thought appears to be rooted to religious concepts such as, the such as supernatural agents, gods, and the possibility of an afterlife. And finally, the third handicap for my learned opponent is that uh, the belief in God in philosophical terms is termed a, a properly basic belief. One of the best-known defenders of this argument is Professor Alvin Plantinga from the University of Notre Dame. Now, unfortunately for atheists, they can never can never claim that their worldview is a properly basic belief because, as I've already mentioned, it is impossible by any epistemological reasoning to demonstrate how God does not exist. There's much more to say about this, but for the sake of brevity, I'll save it for the open discussion. All right. So the argument runs as follows. God exists because... Dot, dot, dot. God exists because we have to reason from first principles or origins as taught by the Aristotelians in the 300s BC, and nuanced versions postulated by Kantians in the 1700s AD. First principles cannot be proven. It's important. First principles cannot be proven, but they don't need to be proven because they are, they, they are principles self-evident to reason. Now, interestingly, here's the kicker. Interestingly, the Israelites were already aware of first principles and first cause circa 1100 years before Aristotle. Imagine. Um, uh, give me a sec here. Give me a sec, folks. Just a second. Give me a sec, Eddie. I've just lost the page here. Oh, okay, here it is. Sorry about that. So history proves the key to an understanding of Judaism and Christianity for its primal affirmations appear in early historical narratives. The biblical authors wrote that the divine presence is encountered primarily within history. And that's good because you can't change history. God's presence is also experienced within, within the natural realm. But the more immediate or intimate disclosure occurs in human actions. Although other ancient communities also perceived the divine presence in history, the understanding of the ancient Israelites proved to be the most lasting and the most influential. It is this, God's presence in human events and its subsequent development, that is the differentiating factor 
in Jewish and Christian thought. The ancient Israelites' entire mode of existence was affected by their belief that throughout history, they stood in a unique relationship with the divine. All right. So, as Moses makes it clear in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Hebrew word beginning is Bereshit. And Bereshit means an extended yet indeterminate, indeterminate duration of time. If the patriarch meant to record a single moment in time or an initial starting point, he would have used um, more appropriate words like Rishina or Tekela. Because the Bible is silent on how long this beginning period was in chronological time, nobody knows. Nobody knows except God. Perhaps it was billions of years. Maybe. Um, who knows? But one thing we do know is this, that uh, the universe is a system, and systems do not explain themselves. So that'll be it for the creation account. I'm just trying to straighten up my, my phone here. Um, so now I want to cover off how God is clearly seen in the Judeo-Christian concept of ethics. And as any legal student uh, can tell you, uh, the biblical concept of right and wrong has had a positive influence on law codes over the centuries and still does today. Okay. That's a bit straighter, I hope. All right. So there's seven bullet points to do with the ethics of Christianity, and I'll just run them off. Uh, number one, while other worldviews can postulate good moral principles, only a Judeo-Christian worldview can justify them in an objective, morally perfect being. Point number two, unless ethics are rooted in the unchangeable nature of a morally perfect being, which is God, there can be no basis for believing in moral absolutes. Um, if moral realism, which is a popular thing amongst atheists, if moral realism is true, um, then it is possible to make mistakes about what is right and what is wrong. Now, of course, there are unbelievers, there are atheists, there are humanists who subscribe to a general set of moral principles, and some of which are quite noble. But what they cannot justify, they cannot justify their beliefs because according to their system, there is no grounding for such subjective values, unlike the Christian. Um, bullet point number four, only an ethic rooted in a moral lawgiver can be truly prescriptive, prescriptive, because a prescriptive value tells us what we ought to do. Point number five, only a Judeo-Christian ethic is universal meaning it applies to all people at all times. Proof of this can be found. Uh, there's a couple of books in my video, in the video description. I hope, Eddie, you put it in the video description. Two books there called Cognitive Science, Religion and Theology, and also Born Believers. Um, this is otherwise known as a conscience. Uh, point number six, a unique Judeo-Christian ethic that distinguishes itself from all other worldviews is that, God, is that the God who demanded perfection became a man in the incarnation of Jesus Christ and lived a perfectly ethical life. And Christ's principles of goodness that seemed abstract suddenly became concrete and personal. Objective, absolute, ethical conduct became strikingly relevant. Revelant. Revelant. Not relevant. Revelant. Finally, point number seven. 
the Judeo-Christian ethic not only stands apart in its example, but also in its spiritual empowerment. And this is something that um, atheists and humanists and unbelievers miss completely. God the Father has not only given us a real human example in God the Son, otherwise known as Jesus, by which to conduct ourselves, but the divine ability to be able to do so through the power of God, the Holy Spirit. So if my learned opponent thinks that God does not exist, he must tear down my argument and offer a more probable explanation for all of the seen and unseen facts around us, not just another possible explanation like I don't know. I don't know is not going to cut it. Uh, given what I've seen from atheist philosophers, just checking the time. Given what I've seen from atheist philosophers like Eugen Habermas, Thomas Nagel, Graham Oppie, and Alex Malpass, I will contend that this cannot be done, given the reason of first principles and first cause. Um, and in the words of Paul, my learned opponent has no defence. Paul says, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Romans chapter 8, verses 2, 3, 4. And with that, I'll yield the rest of my time. Thank you. All right. Fantastic opening there, Gavin. I am now going to bounce you off the stream, and I'm going to bring on the one and only Jeff, who said he's going to destroy you. He's talking all kinds of trash backstage. Man, you should have heard it. <laughs> all right. There you go, Jeff. Uh, I think you're muted, Jeff. Uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> all right. Are you ready? Let me know when you're ready, and I will start the time. Yeah. Good to go. Good to go. Okay. It's all yours, bud. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks, Eddie. Thanks, Gavin, uh, for being here tonight. So I really appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this. So the, the, the topic of tonight's debate is, is does the God of the Bible exist? Um, and so, you know, listening to uh, Gavin there, he had some things to say about uh, the existence of a God. But uh, we're not talking about a God. We're talking about uh, specifically the Christian God. Um, and uh, once you narrow down a topic uh, of, of God to a particular God, it's going to be much easier for anybody to prove that particular God does not exist. Um, the topic of gods and the supernatural um, in general have been part of the human story since man you know, first uh, evolved you know, about 200,000 years ago is what, uh, what the general consensus is. And if, in fact, any gods do exist, uh, much less the specific God of the Bible, um, it would be information of the magnitude that would uh, the world has never known. Uh, it would change life as we know it. Um, but here we are, we're 2,000 years after the death of Jesus, uh, and we're still debating the topic um, on whether or not the God of the Bible even exists. Um, no one has ever been able to prove that the God of the Bible exists. A quick Google search would turn up that there are 40,000 different sects of Christianity in the world today. Um, and uh, 40,000. So Christen Christendom as a whole cannot even decide who the God, God of the Bible may be, yet Gavin has taken on a huge task tonight of proving that his particular nuanced version uh, of this Christian God of the Bible does, in, in fact, exist. Um, and I think the fact that there's 40,000 different sects kind of uh, 
poke some some holes into what Gavin was saying is uh, uh, the ethics being so universal. Um, Christians across the world uh, believe lots of different things about lots of different topics. So I would, uh, it's it's very obvious that uh, the ethics of of, of, of uh, the Judeo-Christian world are not, uh, in fact, uh, universal. Um, now I could take the stance tonight um, that I'm not taking any positive claims and that the onus is on Gavin to prove that the God of the Bible does in fact exist. But being that no one's been able to ever prove that, uh, um, uh, it would probably mean a Nobel Prize for Gavin if he was. Uh, I have no expectation that Gavin's going to be able to show that the God of the Bible exists. So that being said, he's still as much on the hook uh, tonight to prove that the God of the Bible does in fact exist as I am to prove that he does not exist. And in order for Gavin to prove the God of the Bible exists, he's going to have to give plausible counterarguments to the logical contradictions and evidential contradictions that the Christian God is depicted in the Bible uh, passages that, I, that I'll be talking about tonight, as well as provide positive evidence for the existence of God. So not only does he need to, 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 to address the problems in the Bible of that God, but he's going to have to provide some positive evidence. It should make for a great discussion. Um, so I was a devout, evangel a devout evangelical Christian for over 40 years. I preached, uh, led small groups. I prayed with dozens and dozens of people over my life to accept Jesus in their heart. Um, I, I sang in the church choir. I played guitar. So I was I was a Christian, and uh, and that changed when I. Uh, found evidence that made me realize that I no longer had any good reasons to continue to believe that God uh, of the Bible exists. But, but further, I think that there's evidence that clearly shows that the God of the Bible does not and cannot exist. The God of the Bible is a square circle. Um, now, Gavin is going to argue uh, this evening that the mere fact that people are inclined uh, towards belief in gods of the supernatural lends credibility to the claim that the God of the Bible exists. Well, that's just preposterous. Um, none of the source materials that uh, Gavin uh, supplied to me that he may be referencing, just any of those sources conclude that the God of the Bible exists. Um, I will concede right out of the gate um, that people do, in fact, have natural inclinations and proclivities to believe in gods and the supernatural. Um, but Gavin is going to be very hard pressed to show the relationship of this trivial human fact, uh, non-informative. Uh, to supporting the idea that, that that somehow proves that the God of the Bible exists just because people have some tendencies. To the contrary, all, all, all anyone needs to do to disprove the particular God of the Bible is to point out the logical inconsistencies of that particular God, in this case, the God of the Bible. It's quite easy to prove that the God of the Bible, in fact, does not exist um, because of the, the, the inconsistencies about that particular God in the Bible. Just look at the Bible itself, and, and, and that's what we're going to do here. So probably one of the most well-known and damning arguments for the Christian God is the problem of, of evil, the evidential problem of evil. Um, you can just pull up the latest news story. You're going to see untold suffering uh, that goes on around the world, people subjected to the most heinous and brutal existence. Yet we're told to believe uh, in this God of the Bible that's all-powerful, um, that he's uh, omnipotent, you know, that he's all-knowing or omniscient, that he's in all places at all times or omnipresent. And that this same God is all loving or omnibenevolent. And I think that probably everybody, a lot of people watching, you're all familiar with uh, the famous Epicurus uh, quote that is God willing to prevent evil, but not able, then he's not omnipotent. Is he able, but not willing, then he is malevolent. Is he both able and willing, then whence cometh evil? Is evil. Is he neither 
able nor willing, then why call him God? Now, all a Christian needs to do to get out of this dilemma of the problem of evil, as stated by Epicurus, is to simply adopt the stance that the God of the Bible is not omnibenevolent uh, or, or, or all good. Uh, Gavin Well may take that approach tonight, I don't know, but if he does not take that stand, then Gavin is still forced to give a concise answer to the problem of evil uh, in this world to prevail on the topic of debate, does the God of the Bible exist? Uh, because the, the God of the Bible is a square circle, uh, according uh, to, to the omnibenevolent, omniscient uh, titles that are, that are put on him. So therefore, my first argument tonight uh, is against the existence of God. It's a logical contradiction of an omnibenevolent and omnipotent God, considering the suffering that we see in the world around us. And to be clear, I'm not asking for a moral argument. Um, Gavin went into some moral stuff, but uh, it gives a logical argument, you know, something that, that solves this logical contradiction. And my second argument tonight is um, is is the Bible itself. Um, it's based on logical inconsistencies of the Bible itself about who God is. Since the topic of tonight's debate is does the God of the Bible exist, then any discussion about who or what this God may or may not be, it's got to be centered around the Bible. Um, the God depicted uh, in the Bible is a square circle. A logical proposition that cannot and does not exist. And it can be shown straight from the pages of the Bible itself. Now, I'm going to give you just four examples tonight of logical contradictions of the God depicted in the Bible. There are dozens, and you can go Google these. They're they're, they're out there. Anyone watching or listening can go look these up. Uh, but the sake of fairness and brevity, I'm just going to prevent, present four. Um, so the first question uh, to Gavin, and this is based on the scriptures, and I'll give you the scriptures here, is does the God of the Bible change? In Exodus 32:14, it says, and the Lord repented of the evil he thought to do unto his people. So God changed his mind. In Malachi 3:6, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. So God is a changing God who repents of his plans, or he's not a changing God. God is a square circle. That God does not exist. The second contradiction um, that we can talk about is, does the God of the Bible curse children because of their sins of their fathers? In Exodus 20, verse 5, it says, For the Lord, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate them. And in Ezekiel 18, 20, it says, The one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parent nor will the parents share the guilt of the child. Deuteronomy 24, 16 says the same thing. God curses children for the sins of the father, and he does not curse children for the sins of the father. That God is a square circle. Is the God of the Bible good? The Lord is good to all. His tender mercies are all over his work. Psalm 145, 9. Deuteronomy 32, 4, God of truth is without and without iniquity. Yet in Isaiah 45, 7, God says, I make peace and create evil. Lamentations 3:38. out of the mouth of the most high proceedeth not good and evil. Thus saith the Lord in Jeremiah 18, 11, Behold, I frame evil against you. The God of the Bible is a good God, and he's an evil God. The God of the Bible does not exist. He's a square circle. And does the God of the Bible tempt people? James 1, 13, Let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted with God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Yet in Genesis 22, 1, it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. God does not tempt people. God does tempt people. God of the Bible is a square circle, and he does not exist. So my second challenge tonight for Gavin, he could pick any of those two if he'd like. 
and answer those, those contradictions um, and, and resolve them. Does the God of the Bible change? Does the God of the Bible curse children for their father's sins? Is the God of the Bible good? And does the God of the Bible tempt people? So um, the final argument, and we can, I've, I've got just a few minutes left here. I don't think I've got much time left actually at all. Um, and we'll talk about it. We'll get into it in the open discussion, but the actual Bible itself and whether we have good reasons to believe uh, what the Bible says uh, historically, if we should uh, actually accept it uh, and look at some of the inconsistencies that are uh, that are there about that. So, all right, great opening, Jeff. Uh, yeah, two good openings here. In fact, Gavin was back there saying, <laughs> you know, that Jeff guy, he better get ready to tremble. Do <laughs> do. Yeah, heard that one before. <laughs> oh, that's hey, I'm a dad, man. I'm allowed the uh, dad jokes. So, all right, Jeff, thank you for that. I am going to bring on uh, Gavin now for the eight minute rebuttal. I'm sure Gavin has some uh, flaming darts to fire away on. So, we're going to see uh, what kind of uh, uh, rumble that we're going to have here. All right, my Gavin. First, on my first word, um, Eddie. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks for that, Jeff. All right. Um, uh, the, the most I got out of that was that um, God is a square circle. Um, uh, talk about inconsistencies, man. <laughs> And my opening was about the Christian God. I made that very clear, talking about the Judeo-Christian God. Um, so this can be cross-examination as well as rebuttal. So, um, Jeff, I, I have no reason to believe that God does not exist. Can you give me like a, a pithy short reason why he does not exist? Well, I thought at this point we were just going to do a rebuttal, um, and then oh, okay. go into the cross examination. Right. I'll leave that. I'll, I'll leave that for the. I'll leave that okay. for the right, cool. for the opening. That's fine. Right. That's fine. Um, <clears throat> dump, 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 dump. As I figured, Jeff would um, lapse into uh, talking about how he was a Christian for forty years. Uh, and then he found evidence that God does not exist. I can't wait to, to see this in the open discussion. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff talked about um, the problem of evil uh, and asked, the four, asked four questions. Does God change? Does God curse children? Does God tempt people? Is the God of the Bible good? So does God change? No, God is unchangeable. Does God curse children uh, with the coming of the Messiah and the new covenant? No, God, God does not curse children. Does God tempt people? No. Um, is the Bible is the God of the Bible good? Uh, yeah, I would think so, given that we base um, our absolute objective ethics on a lot of what's in the Bible. So I'm probably not 
yeah, I'm probably not going to say anything else. I'll leave it for the for the open discussion. So that's that. That'll be me, Eddie. Thanks for that. All right, that's fine. Well, you know, that's because you know I heard Jeff back there, and he's like, you know, that Gavin guy. I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to hurl the man. See what I did? There? He's gonna hurl the hurly man. Hurly man. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna bring him on um, now. So you're gonna go back to the dungeon for a moment, and let's bring the trembling man on. Uh, <laughs> you have an Eight-minute rebuttal if you want. Um, sure. Okay, and uh, I'll start the timer as soon as you start. Right, okay. So um, so, so Gavin uh, didn't address anything that I said. He answered some questions, and he made some claims about whether the God of the Bible is good or whether he tempts people. Um, but he didn't answer the questions. He certainly didn't ad- address the contradictions in the scriptures that I showed up uh, that, I, that I gave him. Uh, he said that God does not tempt man, uh, except in Genesis 20, 22, 22 1 it says and it came to pass there's things that god did tempt abraham so um and again it says in james 1 11 that god uh, does not tempt any man so there's a contradiction there that gavin has not addressed there's contradictions in the other passages that gavin didn't address um and none of the information he's given us uh tonight none of, none of the things he said has he even come close to proving the existence of the christian god the god of the bible um, uh, he talked about a, a, a universal Judeo-Christian ethic. I'd like to see what that is. I, I don't see any evidence of anything being a universal Christian ethic. That's just, uh, you can say that, but uh, there are Christians across the world uh, that believe all sorts of different things and have all lot, lots of different ethical values. So that's that's just um, not even silly. So, so at the beginning, Gavin said I was going to have to um, uh, overcome a couple of things. The first one was uh, uh, that uh, the proposition that, that, that God does not exist is a negative existential proposition. We're not talking about whether the, the whether God exists. We're talking about whether the God of the Bible exists. And um, I've clearly shown with just a few passages uh, that the God of the Bible is a square circle. There's contradictions. The problem evil, Gavin, did not even address whatsoever he did not even touch on the problem of evil how can an omnibenevolent god who is omniscient um be all good uh, it just it uh, with the the evidential part of suffering that we see in the world um the other issues that we have uh it's it, uh, just talking about um the bible itself um i mean two of the most important things i think in christendom would be the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And the Bible cannot even agree about those two things and what took place. If you look at the, the um, accounts of the death of Jesus, um, what were his last words? Uh, in Matthew, it says that he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, in Mark, it says the same thing. Uh, in Luke, it says that Jesus said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said this, he gave up the ghost. Uh, and in John, it says, he says, it is finished. The Gospels cannot even agree on what Jesus's last words were. Yet I'm supposed to believe that the God of this Bible exists and that I should trust this Bible. The resurrection of Jesus. There's so many questions around the story of in the, in the, in the Gospels of the resurrection of Jesus. 
who went to the tomb. In Matthew, it was Mary Magdalene and another Mary. In Mark, it's Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and someone named Salome. In Luke, um, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James. Um, in John, it was just Mary Magdalene. So when they went there, how many angels did they see? It, depending on who it was, which gospel, well, in Matthew, it says an angel of the Lord, a single angel of the Lord was seen. Um, in Luke, it says that two men or two angels were there. Um, and in John, it says that there were two angels. So was it one or was it two? Who went? Was it one or two? And then who did the people who went to the tomb tell? Um, in Matthew, it says they departed quickly from the tomb with great, with fear and great joy and ran to bring words to his disciples. So they told the disciples. In Mark, which is the first gospel written, by the way, Mark was the very first gospel. I think most, most everybody probably knows that. It says they went out, they fled the tomb from trembling and astonishment had come upon them. They said nothing to anyone. So in one gospel, it says they ran and told the disciples. This one, it says that they didn't tell anyone. In, the, in Luke, it says, um, they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the 11 and to the rest. So it says that he told uh, all 11 of them. And in John 20, it uh, doesn't have anything. So who did they tell? Who went to the tomb? So again, uh, we know that the Bible was written 60 to 100 years. The Gospels accounts of Jesus were written 60 to 100 years after Jesus' death based on oral traditions. And what we have today are copies of copies of copies of copies. We don't have original manuscripts. We have no idea um, what was, was in them. We have good reason to believe that the, the Gospels we have are actually reflective of probably what the originals were. But even the earliest accounts we have don't match up. They do not, uh, they don't uh, line up, uh, if you will. So um, I've just not heard anything from Gavin. I've given some concrete examples of, of, of talked about the problem of evil. I've talked about the contradictions of the nature of God and who he is. He is a square circle. I've talked about the fact that the Bible itself cannot even decide uh, what Jesus's last words were, which would be one of the most important things, I think, uh, for, for Christendom. Um, and so Gavin has got a huge chasm here tonight, I believe, to, to try to, to cross. Um, and, and I would encourage Gavin to not get caught up on God, the topic of the, tonight's debate is, does the God of the Bible exist? And so you, you, the onus is on Gavin to prove the God of the Bible exists. I've given good reasons why the God of the Bible does not exist um, with logical inconsistencies and contradictions about the God of the Bible. So again, the onus is, is on Gavin at this point. He's going to have to come up with something uh, other than people like to believe in gods and supernatural things. Cool. Got it. Uh, that doesn't prove the God of the Bible exists. Um, so, yeah, that's I'll yield the rest of my time. All right, all right, all right. I stole that line from a really good uh, actor from the South. I'm not going to tell you his name. Everybody knows who it is. Okay, Jeff and um, Gavin, I'm going to pop you to the back real quick. Uh, Jeff, and I'm going to give you guys a little short break to get ready for the cross-examination. 
while I talk to the audience about something important. So I opened a uh, content creator fund for uh, content creators who wanted to uh, get into content creation uh, themselves and may not have the um, devices that are needed, the hardware, maybe some subscriptions and maybe software. And I've had quite a few applications for support and the funds have pretty much run out except for what I myself donate to it because I, uh, it's something that, that, that I'm passionate about trying to help people. But in the description, you'll see the content creator fund and there's links. Uh, one, you can give through Patreon monthly um, and, or you can do a one-time uh, donation through GoFundMe. Uh, I'm looking for a better uh, platform for the single donations, but $1, $2, $3, just sharing it. Uh, if you just spread the word and share it, uh, we can try to get, you know, a lot of these uh, creators, uh, there's a lot of creative and talented people out there who want to get into making content. And uh, if at all possible, I'd love to be to make that happen. Okay, so now we're going to go into five-minute cross-examination by each of the contestants here on um, Deathmatch. And we're going to start with uh, Gavin Hurling the Man, Tremble, uh, and then we'll have um, Jeff trembling over or throwing the hurling man, whatever. I've done screwed them all up. Anyway, so uh, Gavin, are you ready? You're going to have five minutes when you start asking questions for Jeff. Jeff, uh, what I ask is save whatever questions you have for the next five minutes. Um, And Gavin's just going to uh, now, Gavin, if you ask him a direct question, and it requires kind of more nuance than I expect or, or would allow, you know, Jeff to, to kind of uh, elaborate on it a little bit. Um, but if you feel that he's not getting to your point, and this is the same thing for you, Jeff, um, if you either one of you feel like uh, the, the, the question's not being answered or somebody's bloviating or something like that, it is your time to cross-examine. You can cut them off, move on to another question. Um, but as soon as you guys are ready or you start talking, I will start the timer for five minutes. Sure. So on my first word, Eddie. Eddie, Eddie. Uh, yes. Yeah, I got you. I'm waiting on your first. Yeah. Um, Eddie, would you mind? Oh, God. Okay. Would you mind giving me a two and a half minute warning? Just say two and a half minutes. Sure, absolutely. Thanks. Okay, so I'll start. So I'll start the timer. So, Jeff, I'm going to steal, try and steal, man, your, your opening. Um, you said my debate was not about the Christian God. That's nonsense. You talked about um, the existence of a God. Well, God has been postulated for 200,000 years. You said there's 40,000 different sects of different Christian sects. Um, you questioned ethics being universal. You talked about no one's ever been able to prove God exists. 
that I need to address the problems in the Bible. Uh, as expected, you you went to the default to the default position of how you were a Christian for X number of years, and then you found evidence that God does not exist. Uh, you continued on with the inconsistencies inconsistencies in the Bible. Um, you talked about evil, evil and suffering, proved God doesn't exist. You quoted from Epicurus. Uh, you talked about the Bible full of consistencies. You kept saying the God of the Bible is a square circle. That was repeated many times. And you had four questions. Does God change? Does God curse children? Does God tempt, God does, does God tempt people? And is the God of the Bible good? Oh, that's the best I can do for a steel man. Now, Jeff, I want you to steel man my opening statement, please, as best you can. Hold on one second. I, I, so sorry about that. I, I hate to jump in here. I just realized that, that if we're going to do the cross-examining, five minutes really isn't much time of <laughs> cross-examining. Uh, so if you guys are okay with it, I would say 10 minutes. Um, and I've got the timer paused, uh, and I'll add a minute back to it. Uh, if you, would you guys rather go ten minutes each? Kind of. I, I'm 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 good with whatever. Just let. I mean, okay. we can just let it go. I mean, I'm good. Whatever. Okay, we're well. We're we're gonna go with ten minutes because the five minutes. We're already at uh, only three minutes left. <laughs> uh, he it hasn't gotten through the question. So uh, let's yeah. do this. Let's let's uh, Gavin. You ready? Let's uh, let's just start over. Ten minutes each person. Um, and when you ask your question again, sorry about that, guys. I just uh, really didn't think that went through. Uh, but when you uh, start talking, Gavin, I'll start the timer and you'll have 10 minutes and I'll give you uh, a two minute warning. Um, yeah, Gavin's, okay. Gavin's going to go again. He's going to go again. Well, no, he's just, just going to ask you the same from, question. I'll just, carry on from, I'll just carry on from where I left off. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So do you, okay, do you so, want. <clears throat> Hold on. So, go ahead, Jess. Go ahead. Wait, wait a second, Gavin. Uh, what, What's a joke? Well, I, I mean, Gavin had asked me to steal man his position. I mean, does he? Uh, I'm a little confused what we're doing. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's pick it up there, Gavin. Um, we'll say uh, two minutes used. That's how far we got into it was two minutes. Um, yeah. uh, yes. We're going to flip it to you, Jeff. There's eight minutes left in the cross examination. Uh, Gavin wants you to steal man his position. Okay. Well, and Gavin said he's he's still sure. Yeah, Gavin said he's still in my position. He repeated some things I said. I don't know that I would call it a still in, but never tonight uh, have I said that God does not exist. What I have said is the God of the Bible does not exist, and I've given very specific reasons why the God of the Bible does not exist. Gavin keeps wanting to say that I said that God does not exist. I never said that. I said I found evidence that the God of the Bible does not exist. So the onus is still on Gavin to prove the God of the Bible exists. What is the evidence for the existence of the God of the Bible? And specifically, what is the evidence um, that would... I'm waiting uh, for you to steal, man, me, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, so you're, 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 yeah, so so your your uh, your argument is that people believe in gods, um, that uh, that it's human nature, um, that uh, belief in God is a proper basic belief, um, that only the Judeo-Christian uh, worldview can justify morals. Morals are um, uh, it's they are instantiated by 
a morally perfect being. They are prescriptive. Um, the Judeo-Christian ethic is universal. Um, it's unique in that God became man and uh, their spiritual empowerment, it stands apart, the ethics stand apart because um, uh, of spiritual empowerment. So I think those are kind of the issues that you you had made. But again, I, I'm just not seeing any any anything that proves that the God of the Bible exists. I mean, you failed horribly um, to, to, to even address it. But uh, so that's, that's so now do I am I asking a question at this point or, or what are we doing? No, it's so still yeah. Gavin for six more minutes. Okay. I think you're supposed to be asking me questions. No, here. no, no. It's it, it's it's your floor, Gavin. Uh, until the. Uh, until the time's up, and then Jeff's going to have an unending uh, time for uh, uh, cross-examining you. Uh, okay, all yeah. right. So I'll go ahead and, so, and, and yeah. add a minute right. back so, to it since there was a confusion. Yeah, okay. So yes, indeed, we are talking about the Christian God or the God of the Bible. I made that very clear. So, so Jeff, I, I don't see any compelling reasons not to believe in God. Um, can you... Can you give me um, a reason or some reasons why or how the God of the Bible does not exist? Just just pithy, pithy reasons. Jeff, you're muted. Sorry. So yeah, I gave you those those uh, the, the the reasons why I consider the God of the Bible does not exist. Number one, I don't believe that the Bible is uh, is a relevant or um, uh, reliable source which I should base uh, my life on to be true. And secondly, the God of the Bible does not exist because he's a square circle. The God of the Bible changes. The God of the Bible does not change. He is a square circle. The God of the Bible curses the children. Of this because of the sins of the father and the God of the Bible does not curse children because of the sins of the father. The God of the Bible is a square circle. He does not exist. The God of the Bible is good and the God of the Bible is not good according to the Bible. The God of the Bible is a square circle. He does not exist. Does the God of the Bible tempt people according to James? God does not tempt people. According to Genesis, God tempted Abraham. The God of the Bible is a square circle. Yeah, okay. Um, I, 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 I get what you're saying. How is it that you think God is culpable for evil and suffering? If, if God is the creator of everything, and it says right in the Bible, it says, um, out of the mouth of the most high proceedeth not evil and good, in Isaiah 45, 7, God says, I make peace and create evil. <laughs> okay. You, you're so, going to laugh? Yeah, I'm, I'm laughing because that's a really old atheist um, fallback position. So you believe oh, that, sure. that God of the Bible is responsible for evil and suffering, correct? 
Um, no, no, I'm saying that the, that the Bible says that um, God creates evil. That's what the Bible says. Do you believe that God creates evil? No, I don't believe in God, so no, I don't. Well, then why do you talk about God being culpable for evil and suffering if he doesn't exist, according to your worldview? I, I've never said that God's culpable for evil and suffering. I don't know what you've been listening to. You talked about the problem of evil and suffering and ascribed yes. that to God, right? No, I did not. I said that the God of the Bible cannot exist because of evil and suffering. Because he cannot. And, and, oh, and, 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 no, that's not what I said. Um, we're doing a bit of a dance here. What did you say? What I said is that an omnibenevolent, and I was trying to answer it, and you told me to, to, to be quiet. So you asked me a question, and then when I tried to answer it, you Come on, move it along, move it along. Yeah, if you're going to be rude, we'll end it right now. Oh, okay, you're going to throw your toys out of the cot. Yeah, if you're going to be rude, and you're going to act like this, yeah, I'm being very, very cordial. I gave you your time. If you ask me a question, I would like to answer yeah. it. And I don't, I don't want to be baited and, and talked down to like a little child, Gavin. Let, don't okay, be, a, yeah, don't yeah, be an let's, ass. Yeah, let's let, let let's keep this um, fruitful. Um, if uh, Gavin, uh, if he if you do ask him a question, please allow him to uh, finish answering the question before cutting him off again. And also, uh, I would ask respectfully that. Uh, when some when he gives a reply or something like that, let's let's not laugh. Um, let, let's try to keep it as you know high quality and respectable as possible. There's two and a half minutes left um, in the exchange, and then it's Jeff's turn. Okay, so what I said was that a God who is omnibenevolent and omnipotent um, by evidential problem of evil does not exist that's what i said the god of the bible who is purported to be omniscient omnipotent and omnibenevolent that cannot exist because the evidential problem of evil in the world that's what i said the god of the bible so where does um evil and suffering come from jeff uh well, I don't believe that there's anything intrinsically evil. Um, I'm, I'm a moral anti-realist. Um, so there are actions that men put labels to as evil or bad, uh, but the actions in and of themselves, may or may, they, they don't have any intrinsic uh, value to it. As far as where suffering comes from, uh, we live in a random world with lots of random shit, and shit happens, and people suffer. Yeah. Right, okay. So um, we are definitely talking about the God of the Bible, right? So you would know that there's more than one God, correct? Um, are, are you saying that there's more than one God proposition or there's more than one? No, the Bible, the Bible talks about more than one God, but Yahweh is the God, the God of gods. So what, is there a question there? Yeah, I said 
do you know that there's more than one God in the Bible? That was the question. Um, well, I mean, there's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I guess you're talking about the Trinity, but I, I'm not aware of any other gods uh, other than okay. uh, false, false, false gods that uh, that they may have mentioned uh, in in the, in passages. You know, they talk about false gods or what the Bible claims to be false gods. Okay, Jeff, what scholars are you using? What scholars are you referencing? What scholar? I'm I'm referencing the Bible, Gavin. So you're not re you're not referencing any scholars, gotcha. Do you know what the discipline of hermeneutics is? Yes. What is it? It's where you look at the look at a uh, a, a book at a Bible and uh, you look at the uh, history and authenticity of it, parse it out. But you're not using any scholars to assist you with that. I don't need scholars to prove the God of the Bible is a square circle. I just use the Bible itself. I Why? give you the scriptures because I gave Why? you the passages. Because I gave you the passages that prove that uh, there are contradictions about who the God of the Bible says that the Bible says who that God is. That God can't exist. He's a square circle. Um, yeah, you keep saying that, but there's a long, long list of biblical scholars, some of who are atheists like Bart Ehrman. They would disagree with you. Morris Casey, for example, Paula F. Fredrickson, they would all disagree with you. They're, they're welcome to disagree with me. That's good. Okay. Well, you remember, uh, are we finished? That, yeah, that's time on, uh, okay. on that cross-examination. Yep. Jeff, um, I know it seemed like it went a little long on his side because of the pauses and things. Um if you feel like, you know, maybe you should need more than 10 minutes, I'd be okay with that. Um, I'm not bothered. I'm not yeah. bothered. Okay. And, and take as much, take as much time as you need. Yeah. It, it's just, you know, uh, just, you know, kind of in the flow of everything. But anyway, you got 10 minutes, Jeff, when you start talking, I will start the timer and I'll give you a two minute warning. Uh, again, same rules, Gavin. Uh, if Jeff, thinks you're not answering he's allowed to um yep. stop yep, you fine. and move on okay so yep, all right fine. you guys got it i'm gonna bounce out okay um so gavin um I, I wonder if you could tell me please uh one of your main points you brought up tonight uh, in the in the reference materials you gave me uh reference uh the fact that people have tendencies to, be, to, to believe in the supernatural and god beliefs anthropological studies is how you termed it in your opening and human nature please can you describe um how um a, a natural propensity of human beings to believe in the supernatural proves that the god of the bible exists um those natural tendencies that humans have that don't prove that the God of the Bible exists, all, all, all those studies do is prove that people have a natural tendency to believe in supernatural beings, gods, or the possibility of an afterlife. I, I sent you a PDF of a book called Born Believers. Did you read that? Yeah, I, so I, I, did, I, I couldn't read all of it. It was, it was too large, um, but... Um, I, I did uh, I, I did did look at it and uh, you know I think you know and everybody I don't know if anybody else says he's a Christian and he's arguing from a Christian viewpoint and he actually says in there 
uh, talking to parents about how to how to introduce your children uh, to the God concept and Jesus and that kind of thing. So um, I, I don't think there's much validity uh, in in a book like that uh, and, and, and certainly in an academic type setting or, or any of a debate like this. I mean, if you want to pull something out like that and use it, feel free. But that's not uh, that is certainly not a uh, any type of a. Uh, uh, an academic study or a book and, and and to your own admission it doesn't prove the, the the it doesn't prove that the god of the bible exists so i don't even not quite sure why you would even bring that up because it doesn't prove that the god of the bible exists and you just you just admitted that so um well, so because, you failed because dr justin barrett says from the get-go the purpose of the two books that he's written are not to prove god exists that's right yeah that's not that's not what the purpose of his books are. Then I don't. I'm not sure why you're quoting him in a in a debate. This is uh, the, the topic of debate is does the God of the Bible exist? Because um, what they because what they do is prove that most people most people believe in supernatural agents. Yeah, and I see that. The, I, or, yeah, I see it. Um, yeah, I see. I see that. Of, of, of an afterlife. Yeah, I, I can swear and I can I can see that point in my opening. I can I, I, and doesn't mean anything. What does that mean? Who cares? What, what well, are, it means what, well, it means a us? lot considering it means a lot considering that forty nine percent of the world's population believe in the Abrahamic God. Uh, most of the population used to believe the Earth is flat. I don't care what most people believe. That's not evidence and, for the existence of God. You're failing horribly. And at forty nine percent, that's almost half. Half of the world's population believe in the Abrahamic God. Almost all the at world's the population moment, believe the world is flat. At the moment, uh, the number of atheists, agnostics, and religious knowns—these are people that have no re religious belief—is sixteen percent of the world population. By two thousand and sixty, that is going to decline to thirteen percent of the world's population, despite the world getting larger. Population-wise, so, so Gavin, do you believe that the number of people that believe something uh, has any any uh, relevance on whether that proposition is true or not? Uh, it has some relevance, yes. It does. Some. Okay, that's called that's yeah. called an argument from popularity, and that's a logical fallacy. You're aware of that? Yeah, I am aware of it, but you can't okay. deny you can't deny that your camp is a tiny sub substrata microscopic group of that, the world's how does, population. How, how, how does that prove the God of the Bible exists, Gavin? The topic of debate is, does the God of the Bible exist? What do I care if people believe in a God? What well, 49% of the world's population, that's a large number, isn't it? Why would they believe God exists? And why would your group be so, so tiny, so small? Uh, because indoctrinated um, beliefs, they're indoctrinated. But this is my question time for you, not the other way around. So I'm just going to move on. So, Gavin, can you can you address? Um, you've already asked your questions. Can you address, please, um, whether or not uh, let's let's just pick. Um, um, does the God of the Bible curse children because of the sins of their father? You said that he doesn't. Um, but in Exodus 20, verse 5, it says, For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generations of them that hate me. So you, and, but yet in Ezekiel, uh, in the Deuteronomy, it says the child will not share the guilt of the parent, nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. So 
God says that he's a jealous God and he visits an iniquity on people. And then he says that he does not visit iniquity on children. Can you address that one single point? Uh, and, and how would you resolve that? In the for your for your it's Exodus yeah, twenty five yeah, twenty yeah, easily yeah. easily you're actually wasting sure. a lot of time with these these questions that are too long. That's easily answered with the it's coming of the Messiah. Well, you can take as much time to ask a question if you want. It's your time you're chewing up. That's right. So that um, that question is easily answered because uh, with the coming of the Messiah, we have a new covenant, right? New covenant. These are all so in the Old Testament. You're these are all, 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 all those passages are in the Old Testament. The New Testament you're, wasn't even yeah, written. You're wasting so, your time. Um, see, that's, that's laboring on the Old Testament. Great claim that I'm wasting my time. I put a question to you, and you and you're just not going to answer. I guess. Well, I did answer. I said, with the coming of the Messiah, we are under are the Testament. new covenant. These are so, Old Testament verses. No, God does not curse. Um, children to the fourth and fifth generation under hmm. the new covenant. Okay, but in the Old Testament it says that he did, and it also says that he didn't do that in the Old Testament. So we're not talking about it. So you, you, you obviously don't have an answer for that. So does the God of the Bible change then, Gavin? Yeah, I've given because, you an because answer. Because in ex and I know you don't like my and, answer. And, but, I, okay, no, you're not going to. It's my turn, Gavin. Please don't ever talk to me. Uh, Exodus 32, 14 says, And the Lord repented the evil which he thought to do unto his people. So God changed his mind. And in Malachi 3, 6, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. Does the God of the Bible change or does he not change? No, he's unchangeable. But he, but he says he repented of the evil. Can you help me out in, in Exodus 32, 14? Yeah, and the, I, I really hope, Jeff, I really hope you haven't got these examples from evilbible.com or American, the American Atheist Association website because it sounds like to me they are which which tells me you haven't put a lot of thought into this so, so you just, the, you're not the god of the bible is unchanged unchangeable yeah he doesn't change okay so in exodus 32 14 where it says the lord repented of the evil he thought to do unto his people he changed it didn't he didn't it, um, he, he repented he changed his mind he thought to do evil unto his people and he changed his mind right Exodus 32.14. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Does God change or not? Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his yeah. people the disaster he had threatened. Yeah, God he can change his mind. Well, why, don't you believe God, oh. why don't you believe God can change his mind? Because in Malachi 3.6 it says, I, the Lord, do not change. And that his yeah. his will, yeah, okay. So the yeah. so he can change what, his mind. What, what? Of course, God can change his mind. What's the reference in Malachi? Malachi three six. I think you're the only Christian I've ever heard say that God could change his mind. If John Lee, you're listening. I know he's he's flipping out right now. Wow, I can't believe you just said that God changes. Um, yeah, the God of the Bible doesn't exist. I, I see the rest of my time. Um, what was the, the reference in Malachi? Well, no, he conceded his time. We're going to go into um, open discussion. And here are the rules um, for the arena. Uh, it's going to be 20 minutes, open discussion, back and forth. Um, 
if it gets too testy, uh, I will have to kind of pop in. And if it gets to the point where we have to, we'll go one minute each back and forth. Uh, but uh, I, I would like to have as much free flowing conversation as possible. Um, so I am going to leave it up to you two gentlemen to keep it top notch and the high bottle of wine on the shelf. You won't have any problem from me. <laughs> okay. So, so Jeff, I'm just going to read you this statement. I want to get your reaction. History provides the key to an understanding of Judaism and Christianity for its primal affirmations appear in early historical narratives. The biblical authors wrote that the divine presence is encountered primarily within history. God's presence is also experienced within the natural realm but the more immediate and intimate disclosure occurs in human actions. Uh, God's presence in human events and its subsequent development in that is the differentiating factor between the Judeo-Christian God and other gods. What's your reaction to that? Do you think that's correct or not? So the story about the Christian God is different than stories about other gods. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yes. Does that prove that the God of the Bible exists? No. Sorry, pal. But you agree. You agree with that uh, that statement I read. That the story of the Christian God is different than stories about other gods. Yes. Um. Well, I did say the biblical authors wrote that the divine presence is encountered primarily within history. Do you agree with that? That the encounters with the Christian God are, in, are, are, are represented in history? Yes. Uh, well, I don't believe that God exists. And uh, I believe that people think they may have had an encounter with the God, but... Uh, no... Okay, so, so you don't believe with the statement the biblical authors wrote that the divine presence is encountered primarily within history. You don't oh, believe they, that? They, they wrote that, yeah. Sure. Do you does believe that, that... Do you does believe that... The God that, of the Bible no. Does that, does that, but does that... Look, if they wrote these things and they believe them, does that mean it's true? I'm asking you if you believe that sentence. It's a simple sentence. I said, yes, they wrote it. Now I'm asking you, if they wrote that and they believed it, does that make it true? Yeah. Do you think it's true? Do you believe it's true? I'm going to answer it for the third time. Yes, I believe they wrote those things. Now I'm asking you, if they wrote those things and they believed those things, does that make it true? The biblical authors wrote that the divine presence is encountered primarily within history. Is that a true statement or a false statement? I, I, I've answered you four times that yes, they wrote those things and believe those things. Yes. I don't know how else to say. To now I've asked okay. you a question. So, now I've asked so, you a question. So, so no, no, Gavin, I, I'm not going to, we're not going to sit here and open discussion and let you just fire questions. To me. I've, I've, answered, I've, answered, I've answered your question. I'm asking yeah. you to answer yeah. mine. Yeah. Now answer mine, please. No, just whoa, because, whoa, whoa. Just well, because they believe that and they wrote that, does it mean it's you, you true? Said, hang on. You said that you believe that sentence to be true. 
that the biblical authors thought it to be true and they wrote those things from that perspective, yes. Right. Now, just because they believed that and they wrote something they believed, does that make it true, Gavin? Uh, yes, history, can't, history doesn't lie, Jeff. You think there are no facts in history that have been falsified? There's no, you're saying there's no history books or anything wrong ever written down about what has ever historically happened? Is that your claim? Sure, no, that's not my claim. That. That's not my claim. Well, it sure sounded like that. You said history doesn't lie. Well, what, what, so, what you hear and what I actually say are probably two different things. Well, you said history doesn't lie. Can you explain to me what you mean by history doesn't lie then? Sure. I asked, you, I asked you very specifically, if somebody believes something and, write, and writes it down, does that mean it's true? And you said yes, because history doesn't lie. So yeah, I'm, talk in, in, yeah in, I'm talking within the biblical context, okay? No, 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 no. I'm asking if somebody believes something and writes it down, does it make it true? In the biblical context, it does, yeah, because we're talking about the God of the Bible. So you're presupposing that it's true, and the Bible says it's true, so therefore it's true. That's the that's the that's the path you want to go down, really. Well, if it's true, Jeff, that's your argument, true, Jeff. If it's true, it will be in the Bible. Uh, I, yeah. So if somebody believes something and they write it down, does it make it true, Gavin? Um, Jeff. I don't know what's wrong with your hearing. I did say, if it's true, it will be in the Bible. If, if somebody believes something and they write it down, does it make it true? That's a yes or no question, Gary. Um, this is going to be a pretty long, slow and painful debate. And I'll say again. Did the people, the people who wrote the Quran, the people who wrote the Quran down, the people who wrote the Quran down, they believed it, um, and, they, and they wrote it down. Does that mean the Quran's true? It's true to them. Yeah, it's true to them. I didn't ask who it was true to. I asked, does it make it true? Well, what the the, the debate topic's not about the the Quran, Jeff. Does somebody believing something and writing it down, Gavin? Make it true. The, you don't want to answer. You're, you're obviously not going to answer. You're obviously not going to answer. Yeah, no, I'll, not, answer. I'll answer. Anything. I'll answer. The 40 odd authors of the Bible. Now, remember, Jeff, that the Bible's a library of 66 books. It's not just one book. So, the 40 odd authors that wrote the 66 books of the Bible, they what they wrote was true because they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's a cool claim. So, so any, what, what they wrote, they believed you, to be true because they experienced it. Right. Cool, cool claim. So what is your argument for it actually being true? The historical witness. The historical witness of the authors. So the authors believe something and wrote it down, so therefore it's true. And there is a wealth of archaeological evidence that lines up um, precisely with what the authors talked about and wrote about. Uh, and Spider-Man talks about New York City. Um, and if they dug up, you know, hundreds of years from now, New York City was, you know, got 
destroyed in a million years and they dug it up and they found New York where that proof Spider-Man existed. The debate's not about Spider-Man, Jeff. Good, good, uh, good try at derailing, but well, I'm not derailing anything because you're bringing up some very horrible arguments. You're saying just because the Bible has references to cities or towns or different places or historical events that, that the whole Bible is true. And that's just a ridiculous statement. And that's the point I'm trying to do. You believe well, like, I said before, like I said before, you can say things like that's a ridiculous statement. God is a square circle. But the line of scholars that would disagree with you is very, very long. Remember, you are a tiny substrata of people on the earth that believe God does not exist. Now, I, we're talking about the God of the Bible. I've not said tonight at any time that God does not exist. I've said the God of the Bible does not exist. Um, and you've said that people believe some stuff and wrote it down, therefore it's true. That's your argument. Okay. And you believe that because there are references to historical places in the Bible, that the Bible's true. If you think those are good arguments, hey, then knock stuff out. But I'm unconvinced. Those are terrible arguments. Uh, and I think anybody knows that, that, that just somebody believing something and writing it down doesn't make it true. And uh, referencing real places in a book doesn't make the whole of the book true. Um, so tell me, Gavin, why does the God of the Bible exist? You've not given any good reasons. You've not refuted any of the contradictions that I've shown uh, tonight, you've not spoken about the fact that the Bible can't even get Jesus's last words right. You can't. You've not spoken to the fact that they don't. The Bible narrative doesn't uh, agree on who went to the tomb, and it doesn't agree on whether whoever went to the tomb, whether they told anybody or not. And then, if you want to go to the disciples, whether they went to Damascus or not, and one, and uh, I can't remember which gospel it is they stay, and the other one they go to Damascus, like Jesus, you know, and and, and so. Uh, the Bible can't even agree. You've not addressed any of those points. Um, and I've given you verses uh, for, for these. And uh, all you said is people believe something and wrote it down. Therefore, it's true. Uh, and there's historical places. But, okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's probably enough from you for a little while. So you had three, three questions. Does God change? No, God is unchangeable. His nature is unchangeable. You just said he um, changed he a while ago, Gavin. He can change you his mind. Yeah. Yeah, Fred, be quiet. Be quiet, please. Yeah, I'm not going to do this if you're going to yell at me. Tell me hey, to yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on. Let's, yeah, let's not, not ask people this. to be quiet. He has yeah. just as much uh, a right to ask questions and, and, and push back as you do. So uh, let's keep it uh, calm. That's twice tonight that you've had to uh, say something to Gavin. So good job, Gavin. So you asked, does God change? God changes his mind, yes. That's, there's something wrong, is there something wrong with that? Then he changes, and now you just said he didn't change. Does God change or does he not change? The Bible says he um, does both. He's a square listen, listen carefully. Listen carefully to me. Watch my lips. God's nature does not change, but God can change his mind. You got that? Yeah, I, I understand that uh, your incoherent statement, yes. Um. Uh, if if somebody thinks my statement that God can change his mind but his nature is unchangeable is incoherent, can you please put it in the chat? Because I think it's it's well, very clear. Well, well, where does the but, nature come from? Where does nature derive from? Where does nature derive from, then, Gavin? Where does where, where does does in 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 humans wouldn't nature derive from the mind? And so wouldn't God uh, his his nature derive from his mind? 
And if he's changing his mind, isn't that in fact he's changing his nature? If he just if, if his nature was to do something and uh, then he repents of doing that, he's changed. He's changed his nature, hasn't he? No, no. You're confusing. So, you're confusing the changing of somebody's nature with changing changing their mind. So what is so nature? Of, what, so what is nature a product of? Is nature a product of the mind? Is is, is, a, is a nature? The nature of a person or a thing, is it a product of their mind? Are you talking about the nature of, of who? God? Well, we, we can talk about God, we can talk, but I'm saying, wouldn't it necessarily be the fact that if God has a nature, it would be derived from his mind? Oh, okay. Is your question, God has a nature, and that nature is... Determined by his mind. Yes. That's your statement. That's a question. That's your question. It, 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 would, it, would it be the case? Is it, does it not necessarily follow that if God has a nature, just like let's say humans have natures, if I, if I have a nature as a human, that must be a product of my mind. My mind is what controls my nature. Is that also true of God, that God's mind controls his nature? No, God has an essence, Jeff. God has an essence. Has an essence. Okay. That is where that is what his nature is de derived from. So that first question, does God change? That's pretty pretty much debunked. Of course, uh, God well, can I, well, Exodus thirty-two fourteen says that God, God, God does the evil. Yeah. So the next question is, does God curse children? Since the coming of the Messiah, no, he doesn't. Yeah, you said that, but um, the, the, none of the passages that I gave you uh, had anything to do with the coming of the Messiah. They're all Old Testament passages that describe the God of the Bible, and they contradict each other. The Old Testament God, before the coming of the, of the Messiah, visited the iniquity of the fathers upon the children for the third and fourth generation. That same God of the Old Testament before the coming of the Messiah in Ezekiel 18.20 says the child will not share the guilt of the parent. And in Deuteronomy 24.16, it says the, uh, the children should not be put to death for the father, uh, for the sins of the fathers. So those are all Old Testament passages. You keep bringing up the New Testament, um, which is totally irrelevant. So I'd like to see you address the... Old Testament passages describing the Old Testament God uh, that is in conflict. It says God visits sins upon the children, and he does not visit sins upon the children. Which one is it, Gavin? Why should I be addressing um, uh, pericope in the Old Testament when we are living today under the New Covenant? So you're saying that those you're saying that those Old Testament verses do not um, uh, describe um, the God that you worship, the God of the Bible. That's not the, the no, Old Testament part of the no, it's part of the Bible, right? Didn't say that. Didn't say that. Uh, okay, so then tell me if does God visit the iniquity on children or does he not? No, no, not under the new covenant. No, no we're not, not talking about the new covenant. covenant. Well, you're obviously not going to answer the question. So yeah, so yeah, so you, you keep going to the new covenant, and these are Old Testament verses. So you keep trying to. To change the subject to the New Testament, and you don't even you don't even want to address the the Old Testament verses that are in conflict with each other to prove that God is a square circle. 
okay. Yeah, you keep saying that, Jeffrey, but I don't know. I don't my know. Name's Jeff. My, name, my name's Jeff, Gavin. My name is Jeff. So that takes care of that second objection. Um, now, the third one does God tempt people? Right? That was your second objection. Well, that's, 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 that's one of the four. It's one of the one. Of the, well, and it's not an objection. It's contradictions, and there's dozens and dozens. These are just four I picked up. Right, right. But how can God tempt people if He doesn't exist, Jeff? I don't believe that God does tempt people. I'm asking you. It's, uh, the Bible says that uh, in 20, Genesis 22:1, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. So yeah. He did tempt him. And then in James 1:13. Uh, in the new covenant, which you so much love, he says, uh, God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So, what's, uh, what's, what's the difference in, in, in uh, Genesis? Can Genesis you tell me? 22, 22 1 and James 1 13. And I offered, uh, I offered up to share all of my, uh, I offered up to share my opening statement and everything that I was going to be referencing tonight. And so for the audience to know, I was willing to to share with Gavin everything I have, and he did not want to do that. So um, that's that's why we're kind of having going around a little bit like this. Yeah, you're being um, somewhat dishonest here, Jeff. Uh, um, I'm, I'm not being dishonest, and Eddie, I... can Eddie can jump in and say, and he saw the email, I was willing to share my opening statement and all of the passages of scripture that I was going to reference. Yes, I did. I sent an email to you and to Eddie. Yeah, I've already sent you all of my references, have I not? Yeah, let's uh, uh, guys, let's uh, not let, uh, get yeah. off, off track on the email chain. Let's just keep going with the questions. And, and yeah. sure. so, what's the got, reference in Genesis? What's yeah, the we reference gotta, in Genesis? Just for the Genesis. record, we have three minutes left. Okay, twenty-two one Genesis twenty-two one, and it came to pass after these things that Abe, that God did tempt Abraham. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, "Abraham," <laughs> he said, "Abraham, there I am." Then God said, "Take your son, your only son, whom I love." Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. God, God, um, God did test. He did test tempt. Abraham. It says tempt in the in the King James. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Yeah. Yes, it says it says test in mind, so that's neither here nor there. Test, test, so does God so does God test people? Of course he does. Now, is the God of the Bible good? Is the God of the Bible good? Well, let me think about that, Jeff. Given that um biblical um precedences, uh laws have been extremely influential throughout the centuries on common law codes and even today even today on common law code i would say that it probably goes without saying that the bible the god of the bible sorry the, the god of the bible is good mm. so any then, any then, legal student any legal student would would affirm that as well Okay, then in Jeremiah 18, 11, it says, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I frame evil against you and devise a device against you. In Ezekiel 20, 25, it says, Wherefore I gave them also statutes that were not good and judgments whereby they should not live. In Isaiah 45, 7, it says, God says, I make peace and create evil. And in Lamentations 3.38, it says, Thus saith the Lord, 
Behold, I frame evil against you and devise a device against you. Um, oh, excuse me, uh, Lamentations 3.30, out of the mouth of the most high proceeded not evil and good. So it's very clear. Um, it says, God says, I make peace and create evil. Yet, what's, in Psalms, what's the reference in Jeremiah? What's the reference in Jeremiah? Jeremiah is 18.11. And so, again, the God of the Bible in Psalm 145, 9, the Lord is good to all. His tender mercies are all, all over his works. Deuteronomy 32, 4, a, a God of truth and without iniquity. Yet Isaiah 45, 7 says he creates evil. In Lamentations 3, 38, he says out of his yeah. mouth proceeds evil. Okay. It, I think that's so, enough. I think that's enough gish galloping. So. Can you explain to me what's the context of Jeremiah 18? I'd have to look it up, but I, I would like I would I would like for you to explain why in certain passages it says God is good, and in the other ones it says that He creates evil. God's a square circle; He can't exist. That God of the Bible. Um, yeah, you're making a terribly bad argument. You can't tell really? me the context of Jeremiah 18, can you? Well, I can look it up for you real quick if you'd like. I don't know why it's relevant. It says, behold, I frame evil against you and devise a device against you. So you're the biblical scholar. Why don't you tell me? Well, I don't know what what the passage, but the, the chapter has to say. But it says he frames evil against you and devises device against you. So why don't you? Um, so... So I'll, why don't, so I'll read why don't you address so, the problem? Why don't you just address the problem? People of Judah and those living in, in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. So, so God is using Jeremiah as a conduit. So God speaking through Jeremiah. Uh, Look, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. How come you left that bit off, Jeff? I, I, I quoted the scripture that uh, said that God, God created evil devices, and I'm still asking you to uh, try and reconcile um, the scriptures that d describe God as all good, yet he says, I make peace and create evil. I'll read it again. I'll read it again, okay? Because this I proves make, how much you're cherry-picking the Bible verses. Jeremiah 18, 11. Now, therefore, say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Look, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So yeah. turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. So God, in that passage, devised a device against them, and he framed evil against them. So can you please reconcile, I make peace and create evil, with the Lord is good to all, Isaiah 45, no, no, 7. No, 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 no. We're staying in Jeremiah here because we're not going to do the um, the atheist trick of pinging all over the Bible. Oh, that's not the I, way I, you read the Bible. Well, um, you know, these are my questions. These are, the, these are the, 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 the things that I came up with. And if you don't want to address my topics and you, you, you want to tap out, you can. I'm pretty sure that these uh, verses you've cherry-picked have come from evilbible.com or the American... No, 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 no they didn't. So you, you, you want to tap, so you want to tap out and, and you don't want to talk about Isaiah 45.7? Is that what you're saying? You refuse to, to talk about Isaiah 45.7? You can tap out on that? 
Um, I'm I'm still focused on Jeremiah. Yes, Petrarchan. he's tapping out. Okay. All right, I'll take it. He's tapping out. Okay. Okay. So. Oh my God, oh, Gavin, was that a tap out or did you counter him? Did you counter him? No, 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 no. Well, I've, I've actually, just... I've, I've, I've actually counter punched quite well because <laughs> I'm, I'm has, just messing with you. Jeff has only read half a passage. He's yeah. read half a passage. We've we've been over the time for a couple of minutes, but you guys were like right in the middle of it, so I didn't want to like interrupt. Um, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna let uh, I'm gonna pop you guys off and give you a chance to kind of collect your thoughts, get a breath, and and have a five minute rebuttal each. And um, uh, while you guys do that. Uh, I am going to ask the audience if you have any questions for either one of the debaters tonight, please put them in the chat and put a Q, a big capital Q beside it, because uh, I'm running a one-man show tonight. The uh, producer that I usually have, um, which is me, is not on uh, his A-game tonight, so uh, uh, I need something to help me out. Uh, it's been a very long day, uh, but I do, man, I, <clears throat> I really appreciate uh, uh, Gavin and Jeff coming on and, and kind of having this back and forth. I've talked to both of these gentlemen uh, many a times on Clubhouse and various areas, and, and we've had uh, between the three of us, I mean, not all together, but I've had fantastic conversations with uh, Jeff and, and fantastic conversations with Gavin. So um, anybody that uh, has any questions, again, put the cue before it. And, and please, only serious questions uh, that has to do with the debate. Uh, none of the, you know, uh, Gavin's wardrobe, um, none of you know, Jeff trembling all the time. Uh, none of either one of these guys being afraid of the other one. I mean, we know that uh, you know, both of them, come on, they're lacking a little bit. But uh, no, I'm just playing. They're both troopers. Uh, and I'm just like going on trying to buy them a little bit of time so they can kind of collect themselves. Anyway, questions, put them in the chat. Questions. Q, capital Q. Semicolon. Then ask the question. Only serious questions. So I'm going to bring Gavin on for a five-minute closing. And as soon as Gavin is finished with the five-minute closing, I'm going to allow Jeff to come on with the five-minute closing. And with the questions from the audience, if there are any, uh, we will ask them to these two superstars. So Gavin. My friend, get ready. You are up to bat. You're going to have five minutes to say whatever you want to say, as long as it's pertinent. Okay, so on my first week, can you give me a minute <laughs> warning, please? Yes, sir. Okay. So um, throughout this debate, my learned opponent um, has talked nonstop about non-contradictions and God is a square circle, the Bible is a square circle. So he's appealing to the law of non-contradiction. Uh, the law of non-contradiction is a prescriptive law. And where does the law of non-contradiction come from? 
That is the question. Most scholars, most scholars will um, subscribe to the fact that predictive laws come from first principles. First principles that the Israelites worked out uh, and knew about 1,100 years before Aristotle. Imagine. So my opponent is actually, <laughs> he's actually using a law prescribed by the God of the Bible to, to sorry, to make his argument, which is like the classic rookie mistake from all atheists. Um, probably wasn't, probably wasn't the best of debates. Um, my opponent uh, said he was an anti-moral realist, whatever that means. Um, but I think, I, I think um, the fact that God exists is, is pretty abundantly clear. Um, and Paul, Paul said it perfectly. When in his in his letter to the church in Rome. Now remember, when Paul wrote to the church in Rome, he had one overriding concern on his mind, and this was a possible schism between uh, the Israelites and the Gentiles. So he was very conscious of this. But what he wrote concerning unbelievers is that since what may be known about God is plain to them, right? It's plain to unbelievers, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's in visible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly understood from what is being made so that people are without excuse. Now, when my opponent um, looks at himself in the bathroom mirror every morning for a shave, he's looking at the Imagio Day and how anyone <laughs> can <laughs> look at themselves or look at, at, at the beauty the beauty of this world, um, things like uh, symphonies, roses, um, uh, perfect surf in, in Hawaii, these kinds of things. How anyone can say that God does not exist is, is beyond me. Um, I think uh, using the, the contradictions in the Bible was a very... Uh, yeah, you could have you could have used you could have used a stronger a stronger offense than contradictions in the Bible, particularly given the fact that you use the law of non-contradiction, which is a prescriptive law prescribed by God. And as I said, there's a long line of scholars that would agree with what I've just said. Um. So just to emphasize uh, my argument about first principles and first cause uh, from the Encyclopedia Britannica, um, if you disagree with this, then you have to take your argument up with the edges of the uh, encyclopedia. History provides the key to an understanding of Judaism and Christianity for its primal affirmations appear in early historical narratives. The biblical authors, right, more than 40 of them, 
wrote that the divine presence is encountered primarily within history. God's presence is also experienced within the natural realm, but the more immediate or intimate disclosure occurs in human actions. Although other ancient communities also perceived a divine presence in history, I'll read that again. Although other ancient communities also perceived a divine presence in history, the understanding of the ancient Israelites proved to be the most lasting and the most influential. It is God's presence in human events and its subsequent development that is the differentiating factor in Jewish and Christian thought. Is that five minutes? Yes, Eddie? that's it. Yes. I, I right, popped them up on the screen. I, I was hoping you would look up. <laughs> oh, I can't okay. see because I've got, I've got sunstroke on my Oh, okay. Um, yeah, sorry screen. That. That's okay. That's fine. Okay. That's good. All right, sweet. All right. Yeah. So you're going back to the dungeon. It's time for you to get some uh, whippings while Jeff comes up here and gets some fresh air. Okay, right. Jeff. <laughs> you have five minutes. Okay. Destroy it or screw it up. There you there go. You go. <laughs> Thanks right. again, Eddie, for having us tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so tonight, the topic of our debate was, uh, does the God of the Bible exist? And uh, I gave some very uh, specific examples of how uh, the Bible itself uh, contradicts who God is, uh, that that God is a square circle. Gavin uh, did not even a, attempt to address any of those. He never addressed the problem of evil that uh, uh, that uh, I talked about, and he didn't address any of the issues with uh, Jesus's last words. Who was it that went to the tomb, and uh, did uh, uh, who did they tell? So th these are these problems that he he never even addressed. He talked to, uh, about people naturally believing in God. Okay, great. Who cares? Um, and in his closing statement here, he he used look at the trees oh look around you the waves and the flowers and uh and the and then he has, and then he went to uh the lasting that that uh, that uh, the uh the what was it there's lasting and influential um the uh, influence and again that has no bearing on whether or not the god of the bible is is real some people wrote some stuff and it's lasted around. I mean, so is the book Moby Dick. It's been around for a long time. So Shakespeare, uh, lasting and influential, has no bearing on whether or not uh, anything is true or real or exists. Um, so um, there's just been no evidence offered up by Gavin uh, at all that the God of the Bible exists. And I've given some very good concrete examples of why the God of the Bible does not and cannot exist based on the Bible itself and the contradictions that it has, and those were never even addressed. Uh, instead, we got look at the trees. So um, that's all I've got. A man, a few words. My wife has been looking for one of them for a long time, and uh, she's not going to find it in me. So uh, <laughs> if there's one thing I can do well or one thing that I can do a lot, Let's talk. So if you need me to buy some time while well, Gavin goes to his papers and um, kind of looks at uh, what he's going to finish up with and 
sum all this up. I thought, I, 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 thought, I thought we're done now, right? That was our closing <laughs> statement. We're, we're, yeah, that is. <clears throat> but go. we do have some questions from the audience. But Gavin, look at that. Gavin's like a nerd. He's over there still studying, writing stuff down, marking stuff out. Look at that. That's how you I'm learn. Writing a, I'm writing a shopping list, D.D. <laughs> oh, you freaking Kiwis. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so first of all, thank you, um, Titan and Praise and John Lee for, for the love in the chat. Um, sorry, guys. They deem me the winner. Um, that's, you know. <laughs> but, no, we do have some questions. I'm going to try to keep them balanced. Um there, there's quite a few for Gavin. So, uh, Gavin, I hope you had some uh, Wheaties before. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. <laughs> Let's see. Let's go back to the big cues I asked for. And thank you, people, for putting the big cues in there. Okay, here we go. Uh, oh, crap. I'm sorry. I looked it up on the wrong screen. Such a freaking rookie. Um, if I get over here so I can pop it up on the screen and everybody can see it. I do have a... Uh, podcast audience so i'm going to actually read the question um so that our podcast audience can know what's going on james corletta asks hey, gavin, gavin. yeah gavin is changing mind i guess changing your mind a mind a change Changing, changing one's mind is changing one's mind. That's all it is. Is it a change, though? Is it, I think what they're asking is, so if God changes, it, the, if God changes, just to kind of steal my name, if God changes but, his mind, yes. is God immutable or is he changing? God is immutable, but God can change his mind. And it's, it's, that's talked about in Scripture. God can change his mind. It's, I don't think there's any big deal about that. Oh, you have so many Catholics right now, like just gnawing their teeth off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the whole impassibility. And okay, uh, let's see. Not, um, just, not just the Catholics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, seeking truth. Question, Gavin. Why did you not point out Isaiah was taking talking about judgment or did you not know it wasn't about God creating evil? Um, we didn't discuss Isaiah. We didn't, we didn't go on to anything on Isaiah. Yes, we did. I quoted Isaiah quite a few times and you didn't want to go there. It's a question. Yeah. Um, so, so, because it's a question to me, I can I can have the last response. Um, Jeff, you were doing the classic atheist shotgunning of cherry pick scriptures, and when I put the brakes on and focused on one scripture, it turns out you only read half the verse. That is a very old, retired atheist trick. And I will let you respond, Jeff. Since yeah. You were, well, the, uh, yeah, the, you the, were addressed the personally on that one. Yeah. So the, the scripture <laughs> is very clear. Whether you read the second half of it or the one before it, one behind it, uh, it doesn't matter what you read. It quite clearly says that God, uh, uh, in the one that you wanted to talk about, which was uh, Jeremiah, 
since I frame evil against you. So, um, yeah, it doesn't matter what's before and after, but yeah. Okay. John Lee. Oh, John Lee. Is that John, John Lee, John Lee, or is that, that somebody? That is John Lee, that is John, John Lee. Lee. That is going for the record for the most appearances on Tom Rabbit's channel. Um, he is Even definitely, more than dark. He is definitely the king of provocative statements and comments. But you know what? I respect the hell out of John Lee for it because he's, he's all about, he, he's like up there, like pumping his chest. Like, yeah, I'll say it. Other Christians ain't going to say it. I'll say it. So I kind of give him, yeah, I got to give him a little love. Uh, question for Jeff. Does Bible contradictions prove there is no God? No, it just proves the God of the Bible is uh, contradictory in a square circle and cannot exist. Straight up. There you go. So can I answer that, uh, Eddie? No, it wasn't addressed to you. No, go ahead. Yeah, but, okay. Yeah. As long as, <laughs> as long as you let Jeff reply to one of your Yeah, sure. Right sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeff, you keep, you keep talking about the contradictory parts of the, of the Bible. So you're appealing to the law of non-contradiction. Um, and that's a landmine that all rookie atheists step on. Because the law of non-contradiction is a prescriptive law. It's prescriptive. And it comes from the laws of logic who are instantiated by God. The laws of logic conform to God, but God prescribed them. So the whole argument, you've been using the prescription of the law of non-contradiction, which is a law prescribed by the God of the Bible. Ding, 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 ding. Ladies and gentlemen, we have round two already. <laughs> Go ahead, Jeff. Reply if you want. <laughs> I, um, yeah. I, nowhere in there is, is there uh, uh, any useful information, anything he just said that I can see. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Uh, that was a standing eight count. Eddie, that was a standing eight count. <laughs> well, yeah, I think he kind of like parried a little bit. You know, he kind of parried and, and, and like, you know, clenched and uh, no. It's <laughs> so James has another one for you, Gavin. How is personal experience for inspired by God? How is a personal experience inspired by God make it true the Bible is written by human beings inspired? Okay, so let me put it in the best way. How is a personal experience that you believe is inspired by God make it true that the Bible is written by human beings that were inspired by God? I hope that's what James meant by it. Uh, if, if James is, is that James Coletta? Again, yes. James is coming Again. after you. Yeah, well, it's a pretty nonsensical question, Jeff. Sorry. Look, people do have yeah. religious experiences. People do have religious experiences. People in the Bible had religious experiences. I've had religious experiences. Um, and the rest of your question was was what? Eddie, can you read, read the rest of it, please? 
Yeah. And so if, if one has personal experiences that they believe are inspired by God, um, how do we know that the Bible is written by beings that were inspired by God? I think, I think if I was to steal man, it, I would say we still have inspiration today, the way using Christian talk, um, uh, God motivates us with inspiration today. Well, how do we know that those early Christians were any different than what we are today? Why is their word considered inspired by God in scripture, but yet we talk about being inspired by God today with our personal spiritual experience? Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. So the short answer is this. In the 21st century, we live in what's called a low context society. In the ancient Near East, the Bible was written in what's called a high-context culture, high-context society, two totally different cultures, two totally different ways of thinking. In the ancient Near East, people had experiences or religious experiences of God or of Jesus Christ. Um, And what they wrote they wrote with conviction because it, the, the experience to them was true. They experienced it, so they wrote about it. Remember, no internet back in the ancient Near East, not even Pony Express. Today, in our low-context culture, information is plentiful. If you buy Kitset furniture, there'll be instructions in triplicate in the Kitset furniture for how to assemble it. But back in the ancient Near East, uh, ink and parchment was really expensive. So you'd never see a sign in the ancient Near East on a walking track that said slippery when wet. But today we have road signs that say slippery when wet because back in the ancient Near East, everybody knew that if it was raining and you were walking on that track, it was probably going to be slippery because it was common sense. So that's highlighting the two differences. Did you want to respond, uh, Mr. Trimble? Um, I, I, I've had, I mean, he said everybody, I, I had religious experiences and I guess the question is, is, uh, uh, how do religious experiences, um, uh, well, yours weren't with, real. Yours weren't yeah. real. Mine were. Yeah, exactly. Not <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mine weren't real religious experiences. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, I, I think the question kind of being just, uh, how do religious experiences that we have, give us confidence um, that uh, the, the Bible was written. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm not really, the, the question's kind of giving me some, I, I don't know. I, just, I, yeah, I believe no, the Bible's just, know, a, yeah, yeah. just a Bible written by a bunch of guys. Yeah. Just a book written by a bunch of guys. And on that topic, I, I do want to make a point here. I, I, I beg my fellow Christian brothers and sisters, please, please stop with this. You didn't have a real experience of God. You didn't have a real experience of the Holy Spirit. You, I, I just, uh, I, I understand why people want to go that route, but I have spent a lot of time and many years with um, atheists, and, and I don't care what somebody's theological dispositions are or anything like that. I know atheists who were extremely genuine 
in their belief and their commitment and the experiences they believed that they had. Um, and, and when Christians come along and say, oh, it wasn't real or it wasn't the Holy Spirit or you really weren't a Christian, it really aggravates me. And the reason it does is because I was one of those that had a religious experience and went through deconstruction and became agnostic. Um, later on, I had some religious experiences that were far different than the ones I had before. I don't believe the first ones were, but for all intents and purposes, before those happened, I was completely convinced that it was. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there's theological uh, theological dispositions, you know, to to those who, you know, the perseverance of the saints. I'm sorry. I love you, Calvinist brothers and sisters. But, you know, those who once saved, always saved and uh, all this. I believe in, um, a, a, you know, being able to uh, uh, apostatize and, and, and fall away. And I believe there are genuine people out there who's had probably real, true experiences. So please stop saying that. But anyway, let's move on. Um, and I love you, Gavin. You may disagree with me on that. And we can talk about that later. <laughs> uh Let's see. Uh, moving down. Oh, here we go. Here's a snowball for you, Gavin. What is a perfect surf? And for anybody that doesn't know, Gavin is a Kiwi. He is in New Zealand, right, Gavin? Before I make a fool of myself. No, no, that's 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 right. Okay, that's what I thought. So, and Gavin has been to the North Shores of Oahu. And he's been through Australia and all these different places. And Gavin, where and what is a perfect surf? Okay. Um, uh, January 1, 2006, at a place called Raglan, New Zealand. I had a friend oh, of, of mine. Course. From, oh, come on. God. I had a friend of mine from California and his wife and kids staying with us. And we got up. Um, before it was light on New Year's Day, January 1, 2006, and we were putting our wetsuits on while it was getting light, and we thought we were going to be the first ones in the water. And we got down to to where the paddle-out place was, but there was a guy already paddling out <laughs> before us. My goodness. But here's the thing. It was four to six foot. It was a light offshore wind, and it was the kind of surf that photographers dream of because there wasn't a droplet of water out of place. It was so glassy and so perfect. And my mate and I, we were high-fiving each other. We were thinking, man, this has got to be God-made. God it, was, it was droplet water droplet perfect. So that's a perfect surf. So, so why have you not made that into an argument for God? I mean, come on, the perfect surf. He I, did I, use it. He did use it for an <laughs> argument for God tonight. He said, "Look at the trees. This is a perfect surf." And God well, hold, wait it. a second, Jeff. Hold up there a second. Wait a minute. Let's let's reel this back in because I have an argument that not even atheists can disagree with. Okay, unless they don't drink alcohol. Um, <laughs> if and my argument is premise one. 
if bourbon exists, God exists. Premise two, bourbon exists. Bourbon exists. Conclusion, Conclusion, therefore God exists. That's my That's my solid. I don't drink bourbon. Wait, plug it in with Irish whiskey or scotch or whatever. God still doesn't exist for me then. <laughs> Someone, is there any questions in the chat for me? Are they all? Yeah, yeah. Out? There's no. Yeah, there's one. <laughs> Jeff James Corletta, the only one wow. who seems to know how to answer questions, ask questions in this ask chat. <laughs> uh, Jeff, do you think Gavin answered your questions? No, he didn't even address any of them. None. Gavin, none. Zero. Zip. Zilch. You didn't address a single one. Damn it. Yeah, no. Terrible device, right? <laughs> uh, let me make sure there's not any more. Um, da, 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 there's a whole bunch of people like popped into last minute. It's like, where do you, I mean, come on. Oh, here's a good one. Godless girl. Eddie, who do you want? I can't even talk anymore. <laughs> who do you think won the debate? Oh, yes. that's a bit unfair. That's yes. a bit unfair, Eddie. No, my answer is yes. Exactly. I'd call it I'd call it an honorable draw, Eddie. This, that that's who won the debate. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and I believe that may be the last question. You like how I just dragged this along? Uh, my goodness, man! You guys get all talkative at the end. Come on! Oh, John, awesome debate, guys! Thank you. Um, uh, 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 okay, that's it. So, what we're going to do now is I. I'm going to allow Gavin, since he went first, uh, to plug anything, everything, websites, um, uh, social media, anything he wants to plug at this moment. And later, Gavin, if you have any uh, websites, social media, or anything, you want me to put the link in the description, I'll absolutely do it. Uh, so fire away, Home Slice. Sure. Um, look, we're so poor down here in New Zealand, we don't even use the word poor because we can't afford the second O, so we just say we're poor. Um, I don't have a website. I don't have uh, a, a, a stream or anything. It, but it's, it's kind of funny because I don't have um, a website or a stream, but I've got 45 subscribers. I don't even know where they came from. They might have been mistakes. <laughs> uh, I've, <laughs> I know it's a scream, eh? But um, I've got a debate uh, tomorrow, which should be Sunday afternoon for you guys in the US, against a clubhouse atheist that goes by the name of Why So Religious. That's Ooh. for 2.30. Where's that going to be? Where's that going to be? 2.30 p.m. Sunday afternoon. What channel? Uh... It's just going to be in the clubhouse room. We're just going to open up a oh, room. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. going to have to go in there and screen record it. Um, well, if you want to, if you want to moderate it, Eddie, that'd be cool because I'm kind of kind of looking for a moderator. I, man, I'm all about some moderation, man. I, you know, I, I hate 
theist just as much as I do atheist. So, you know, it's okay. kind of equal opportunity, right? <laughs> just okay. So, so if, 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 if I can count on you to be moderator, that'd be awesome. The only bummer for me is, though, is that 2.30 EST in the U.S. is 6.30 a.m. for me. Oh. So I'm going to have to get up pretty early. Um, and get, You're going to have uh, to be a normal human being tomorrow. Yeah, probably. So that, that's the only thing I want to plug. Just nice. want to uh, say thanks to Jeff and thanks to you, Eddie, for putting on uh, a good debate and being a good host. It's been Absolutely. fun. Gavin, I want to say uh, thank you so much for um, – I'm not sure which one of you guys um, had requested me. I heard from both of you, um, but I, I am um, honored um, and humbled that, that either or both would want uh, me to you know host and, and moderate this. So thank you so much for that, um, and thank you for uh, you know – coming on here and putting it all on the line for all the public, you know, regardless of, of who thinks who won what um, people don't understand. I, I, <clears throat> I've done many a debates myself. It requires a lot of prep and it requires a lot of courage to come on here and ignore the comments and, and put your position, you know, out there and, and try to defend it. So thank you so much for that. Gavin, 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 and, <laughs> I'm going to bounce you off and finish it up with Jeff and then close it out myself. So thank you again, Gavin. Cheers, buddy. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Gavin. Mr. Jeff, you got anything you want to plug or anything? I, I saw Mrs. Trimble in the chat. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much, Mrs. Trimble, for being part of the chat and supporting your husband and secretly pulling for gavin and uh, <laughs> <laughs> now go ahead Jeff. yeah any anything you want to talk about share plug anything it's all yours homie uh not really um i i've got a small youtube channel uh, i go by honest inquiry i do some street epistemology i know some people are kind of confused about me being in a debate because i do um sometimes do street epistemology type things and uh, I, I guess what i would say is just to, just because someone uses the tool of street epistemology which is basically just the socratic method um does not mean they don't converse or have debates or other things that's kind of <clears throat> kind of silly so i think people tend to expect a person to always use the street epistemology approach uh, in things and, and i certainly don't do that um so you can find me at Honest Inquiry on YouTube. Only got one video up there right now. Uh, not quite sure how how much how much more I'm going to do in the street epistemology community. Um, kind of found myself moving moving on a little bit from that approach, I think. Um, but uh, but no, I've I don't. Other than that, uh, got got nothing. So right, that's all right, man. Uh, and again, I want to reiterate, um, you know, I am uh, hum humbled and honored at um, whichever you guys uh, that was decided. I, I, I threw your name out. Yeah, I threw your name Yeah, out. I appreciate it, man. I really do. It, it means a lot to me. Um, I, I kind of pride myself on uh, trying to be as objective as possible. Um I'm somebody who's who's kind of been all over the place, so it's easy for me to not take sides. And and of course, you know, most my my ongoing um, mantra on most um, 
a social media is not a real Christian anyway, or atheist undercover, you know, something like yeah. that. But anyway, uh, Jeff, thank you so much for, for uh, preparing for this and, and putting it all out there. You know, same thing, like, like I told um, Gavin, you know, spending the time to prepare for this, getting in front of an audience and doing this, uh, man, uh, nothing but mad love and respect to you and Gavin both for, for putting it thank all you. on the line. And uh, thank you so much thank for you. it. Thank you, Eddie. Thanks. All right. And I'll see you guys in the backstage if you have a minute to hang around. And I'm going to usher everyone out of here. Okay. Oh, my goodness. It was fantastic. Um, didn't get too far sideways. Uh, I did have to tap into um, my <laughs> my little um, my little bourbon stock over here. Um, kind of calmed the nerves a little bit. No, they, they were great. Um Again, thank you so much, uh, uh, Gavin and, and Jeff. And, uh, you know, even though we we kind of, you know, get a little heated and get after each other, I, I still think that, you know, this um, mental sparring, I, I think it. I really honestly think that it's worth it. You know, we this something that somebody says today may not, you know, uh, really kind of uh, ring a bell or, or something until later in the future. I mean, I, there's been people who's had an impact on my life from theist, non-theist, agnostic, all over the spectrum uh, uh, that has made me kind of reconsider and rethink things. But on top of that, thank you, everybody who is here. We had a great audience size. Um, I, I'm very humbled. Uh, and very appreciative for everyone that hung out and listened to these debates. I am so close to a thousand subscribers. Anybody and everybody that's out there, I'm being this desperate little bald headed, middle aged man without a beard begging you, sub, please sub. I'm so close, so close. Uh, I don't even care about being monetized. I just want to say, I got a thousand subscribers. Yay! But anyway, thank you everybody uh, for spending your your precious uh, weekend time with us. And I have uh, quite a few things coming up. I have a debate uh, coming up against a uh, King James only on, um, oh my God, uh, Stand for Reason. <sighs> God, thank God I remember that. Um, <laughs> he's a fantastic guy. I've learned so much from his channel. Uh, it's cool. And it's going to be towards the end of the month. Yes. King James only. Oh, you got to check that out. It's going to be crazy. I mean, like super. 